I'm Sherry Dunleavy, your inspirationista, host, and a grieving mom. Welcome to the Grief Anonymous podcast. Grief is a journey, and I'm 20 years into mine. No matter where you are in yours, I hope you'll join me as I provide you with information, tools, and experts to help guide you through the darkness of death into the light of living. Help is on the way. Anthony Casablanca is my guest today, and we are going to be talking about grief in the workplace because returning to work while you're grieving can be one of the most difficult things to do. So Anthony has a very interesting background that has led to the work that he and his brother are doing today, and he can explain it way better than I can. So welcome, Anthony. Thank you very well, much for joining us. Oh, thanks so much. Um, it's a privilege to be here. Thanks. So tell us a little bit about the work that you're doing and why you feel it's so important to do it. Sure, sure. So um, the, the, this is a culmination of a couple of years worth of research and work. Uh, my brother Guy is a licensed funeral director, a duly licensed funeral director, uh, spent years in funeral service, uh, helping families through the funeral process, grieving families through the funeral process. Uh, and has had lots of exposure to, and hears more often than you would believe um, from family members about how my, my, my work environment is not helping me. They are complicating this, either through their leave policies or an inflexible boss or just not understanding what I'm going through. He, he hears that a lot um, in the interactions that he has with, with families. Uh, and so his funeral background and his his background in in uh, dealing with grieving families, and my background, I spent 31 years with Hill and Brand Industries, and uh, 28 of those was with their they own a Batesville Casket Company, which is a large, the largest casket provider in the in the world. Uh, and so I have a funeral service background from that side, but more importantly, a leadership background. Um, uh, in those 31 years, I've was in a whole host of leadership roles. Uh, the last three roles that I had spanning probably 10 or 12 years uh, was as the vice president of human resources. And then I was their vice president of supply chain. Uh, and finally, I was president of another operating, a smaller operating company. So uh, we decided to come together and address this issue uh, from a very broad perspective. Uh, because grief is not just driven by the loss of a loved one. It's driven by any loss that sort of reshapes your reality, uh, your current reality. And so when you look at grief that way, you are right. There are, there are a lot of people um, returning to work, be it they were at work Friday and there's some emotionally traumatic event that happens over the weekend and they come in Monday or there's some prolonged thing, right, where there's actually a gap in their work where they're, they're off for a week because of a funeral or whatever, uh, and they're coming back to work on Monday. But there are a lot of people. Um, you can get to a very large number without throwing a lot of things in the category. But if you think about things like divorce and cancer diagnosis and opioid addictions and Alzheimer's diagnosis, just to name a few, you can quickly get to, you know, millions of people coming to work every day in some stage of grief. And Guy and I decided that 
there was a gap there, particularly in a leader from a leadership perspective, right? Mm -hmm. So while what we do isn't going to change what that person is feeling, we hope that we can show leaders how they can help grieving people integrate into the workplace and excel while they're grieving um, by being flexible and understanding better how to lead them and, and what grief really means. So that's, that's what we're working on. That's what we're trying to do. So let me ask you this. In all of your 30-some years of leadership mm -hmm. in, in corporate America, how much grief training have you had? Absolutely none. Yeah, absolutely none. And I suspect that amazing. Uh, so not only wasn't I trained, but the organization didn't have any process for really dealing with this either. Right. Um, and we are finding that that is true in most organizations. Right. Even the progressive thinking organizations. So the folks who have adapted their bereavement leave to give you 20 or 30 days off that you can take however you want uh, or have flexible work policies or uh, emotional well-being benefits and counseling and all those kinds of things. They, because there's very, we would say no one playing in this space, no one addressing this, even those progressive thinking companies have no process in place to train their leaders on how to deal with this. So if you happen to work for a leader who does this naturally, right, can adapt his style or her style naturally, you get treated very well and you think very highly of how your organization handled you and the people around you feel the same way. If you happen to work for somebody who that's not their natural tendency, um, then, you know, you struggle. And the people around you also struggle because they're like, wow, that we should be more understanding. We should help this person, but they don't know what to do either. So, yeah, we're finding that um, the fact that I wasn't formally trained in this is not unusual. There really is nothing out there from a leadership perspective on how leaders should engage in the grieving process to help the grieving employee excel when they come back to work. Right. I um, and, and you know what? And, you know, a lot of it to me is common sense, but I say that only because I have suffered deep grief and I, I, I know what to put into place because I know what I would have wanted, you know, and right. so you tend to do better. But so many people in leadership, a lot of times this is their first, you know, go around in leadership, which means that they're probably going to be a younger person, which means they're probably not even going to have life experiences equal to the depths of grief that people are feeling you right. know you've got a lot of young leaders out there that you know have never had a major death you know have not even been married let alone gone through a divorce whose parents perhaps aren't old enough to you know have issues like um alzheimer's or you know other conditions right. that are led to you know maybe an older um, person's uh, kind of, of disease. And so um, they just haven't been in the stage of life where it starts getting tumultuous. Right. Right. So exactly. they're, cap they're, they're captaining a ship, but they're not understanding, you know, so much of it. And so that being said, these skills are so important because 
the damage of not doing it in the right way can really affect the bottom line. Right. Yes. Uh, in fact, uh, one of our pieces of research, the Grief Recovery Institute did a study back in 2003, which they've updated uh, or are in the process of updating. Uh, and when you define grief the way we defined it here a little bit earlier in this discussion, uh, more broadly than just the loss of a loved one, um, they found that uh, the impact of grieving employees in the workplace costs U.S. companies about $75 billion annually in lost productivity. Um, and the, 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 very, the, the, very, the, the irony in all of this is, so not only have leaders not been trained, and they don't know how to deal with this, and they're young, right, because all companies now, all larger companies, do an awful lot with talent matrices and you know high potential, high performing individuals, and they're looking for younger and younger and younger people in their succession planning, and putting them in bigger and bigger roles. Uh, not only haven't they been trained, but the organizations themselves tend um, they they tend to wear the badge of you know hey we're performance driven, which means which is a very good thing if you are investing in the company uh, and sometimes even if you're a customer, but certainly if it's a publicly traded company and Wall Street's involved, that's very much in favor. But that also tends to mean that your culture likely is not to a point where people feel safe in coming to work and being at work uh, and admitting that they're struggling. And so you've got that dynamic playing out as well. So, so you have an employee who is in a stage of grief, pick one of the five, doesn't matter. Um, and their performance begins to slip. The culture of the organization has not evolved to the point in many organizations where that employee feels comfortable raising their hand and going, hey, I am really struggling and I need help. You got a leader who's never been trained and actually gets rewarded for removing underperforming talent or at least addressing underperforming talent. And so you get this whole dynamic playing out that results in, in this, this void where the leader is not addressing what the needs of the employee and is actually compounding the grief because now we're starting to put the person on a performance improvement plan and we're starting to manage the manager organization stress. and right just just added stress exactly, filing on right? <laughs> yeah and and i don't mean to paint a picture that all organizations do that but right. certainly there is a gap of awareness here and at the end of the day you know, let's face it, dealing with someone who is in one of the stages of grief is awkward. It's emotional. Uh, it is um, uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. That's the word I was looking for. It's very uncomfortable. You don't know what to say. Um, you don't want to say something that's going to make this person get upset or cry. Um, and so even if you're aware of the situation, you're not, you don't have the muscle memory, you don't have the experience, as you mentioned, to actually deal with it. And so we have 
begun to put together a process to take companies through that would at least expose leaders to what's going on, how they should think about this, uh, and actually even give them a model to follow that would help them adapt their leadership uh, to meet the need of not only the grieving person, but frankly, it's applicable to all of their employees' um, development. And uh, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a real issue. It's a real issue. So could you give me just a few tips and our audience a few tips of something that is not that difficult to implement that would make a huge difference if, if they could just walk away with one or two tips today of where to start. Right, right. Um, so one is don't be afraid to engage in the process, right? And that, that part of leadership uh, is, is helping your people through difficult times. It's easy to lead in good times, right? And, and those difficult times, by the way, can be created by a company's own initiatives, right? If you think about that, um, because anytime your, your sense of the current reality shifts, you, you feel a sense of loss. So a, a company that is especially now going through layoffs uh, and furloughing people there's a whole lot of anxiety around that that are causing people, people are wondering if they're next, right? When is this going to end? How is this going to play out? So the company's own initiatives can, can cause people to enter the stages of grief. So leaders need to engage in this process, right? And they need to not stick their head in the sands and just pretend like everything is, is normal right? It's not. It's not. Um, and so the first tip would be, don't be afraid to engage. And don't be afraid to, to sort of get in that awkward moment with the person to really understand what's going on. More than likely, the person will appreciate it. And it will be tearful, potentially, depending on what the situation is. Um, and there may even be other emotions like anger and other things that come out, but at the end of the day, they will probably really appreciate a leader who sits down with them and doesn't just talk about how their performance is slipping, um, but chooses to seek to understand what's going on and how can we help. Um, the other tip would be uh, to actually lead right, to actually lead. Asking the person how they're doing is not good enough because they're likely going to say, I'm fine, uh, because your company culture has conditioned them to say that, right? And they don't want to appear weak and they don't want to appear like they need help. Um, and so, uh, you know, the second tip would be sort of take control of the situation and lead, right? Don't just ask if they need help. Provide some some coaching, some alternatives, right? It's not just do you need help, but hey, what if we, what if we altered your work plan a little bit uh, and I gave you a little additional help so that, you know, as you're going through whatever, uh, you've got a little bit more time that you can focus on 
the issues that you're having as opposed to worrying about this deadline or that deadline. Um, a lot of times leaders never, they're waiting for the employee to give them the clue, the cue that something needs to change. And we miss it. A lot of times as leaders, that never happens because the culture has conditioned people not to, to come forward like that. Uh, and so we miss the we miss the cue. And the first time it sort of comes front and center is when a deadline gets missed or an error gets made or the person rushes out of the room in tears or they blow up in a meeting because it's all sort of gotten bottled up and they get angry. Um, and and it doesn't need to necessarily play out that way if we're if we're in tune. Uh, so the first one would be engage. The second one would be actually lead and sort of lead from the heart mm -hmm. and think about how we could help this person. And the third tip would be involve the team uh, because the coworkers want to help as well. Yes. And they don't know how either. Um, and so by doing that, they will be more than willing to pick up the slack, right, for right. a given period of time. And they will step back and you will actually, we believe, and I've experienced it myself, you'll actually see overall morale improve and engagement improve and productivity improve because they realize that, that the organization means what they say in their vision speech st statements and the things that are hung on the wall, that mm -hmm. they are actually supporting that with actions uh, when an employee is, is, needs a little bit of help. Um, right. And folks will admire that in the organization and in the leader, frankly. In, in the case of death, you know, I think that it's important, too, to have that conversation before this person comes back to work. You know, mm -hmm. start that conversation before they come back to work. Because, you know, there are some people that if you don't address it, um, it's going to make you seem insensitive. But then there right. are other people who prefer that you don't. Right. Right. They just right. want this is this is where I can come to be normal. So just let me be normal. Right. Right. But how do you know if you don't have the conversation? And and so that's that's a great point, Sherry. So it should be a conversation. Right. It should be a dialogue. You shouldn't just walk in and say, I've decided to rearrange your priorities and take yes. you off these projects, because that actually might send a counter message, which is you 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 even further are isolating this person and don't value them. Right. Um, so it should be a dialogue. It should be a very much a conversation, right. a very compassionate conversation about, look, you know, I understand. Um, I understand that, you know, your son has been diagnosed with cancer and you're going to need to spend some time with them. Let's talk about how we can be flexible here um and and put together a plan so that the work still gets done you have time to be with your son we can adapt as we go along let's talk a little bit about what that looks like i have some ideas but i would love for yes. your thoughts on this because uh you know ultimately you need to be the one who helps structure this perfect perfect right that's right. how this should really play out right um and we in our work uh, and in our book, which will be out later this summer, we actually do lay out a, a process uh, that begins to help leaders understand um, how employees will likely 
behave and respond through these processes. But I can tell you from all the research we've done, I could give you countless examples of companies that have done it really, really well uh, and companies that have done it not so well, or I shouldn't say leaders that have not done it quite so well. I can't speak for the entire company, uh, but there's lots of examples of it out there. And uh, on and you know we we're hoping that with working with people like you and others that that uh, that we can change that and we can kind of make this a bit of a movement that it becomes the norm that we don't first point to performance, but we actually sit down with the person and say, hey, let's. Let's talk about this. I know you're going to be going through a stressful time. Right. And unfortunately, the further away you get from those visible events, right? So a death is very visible. You know when somebody experiences a death in their family. You may not know, though, when someone experiences a, a personal health diagnosis crisis with either a parent or a child or maybe even themselves. Um, and so you know, you may not know when somebody's going through a divorce. And so the further removed you get, the more difficult it is to really understand what's going on. And it really starts there, right? It starts with that conversation about let's talk about this, right? Let's talk about this and how the organization can help you get through right. this. That's what we would like to see as the starting point. Well, you also have to create that environment where they feel safe to have that conversation with you. If, they, if you are further removed, and I just got diagnosed that I can go in safely to my boss and not have to worry about, is he thinking about replacing me? You know, Correct. is he making plans for my replacement right. and whatnot? So, you know, it, it is a, it is, it is an uncomfortable conversation, but it, but it needs to happen. And, um, and I love the work that you're doing because it's just so important, you know, and you were mentioning, you know, loss of productivity, but then it could be, the loss of a good employee who just feels like they were not valued, they were not understood, right. they were not helped after giving so much of what they've given, they received nothing in return, no understanding in return, and just chose to leave. Correct. Correct. Right. And, you know, I don't have any statistics that they're almost impossible to get around, you know, how many employees just stay because they figured that was how the company was going to respond. And I, I don't want more change in my life. And so I'm not going to leave. Um, how many employees leave on their own because this isn't the company that I want to work for because of the way they didn't treat me um, or the way they did treat me. And then the third group is how many of them are good employees, but you wind up managing them out of the organization because they, they were poor performers. Um, right. And it's, you know, and grief doesn't have a timeline. No. So it's not like you can just say, well, you know, in 30 days, this will all improve. Some people, some people grieve for a long time, depending on how complicated the grief is and the, the level of the emotion, the, the, the level of the, the suddenness and the tragicness of the emotional event that took place. It can, it can, well, and the reality is you grieve forever, right? You don't. You carry you know. the, the, the grief somewhere, but you're, it's manageable. You've worked yes. it into your life. You've, you work you've, through you've learned it. How to, you've, you've learned, yeah, you've worked through it. And, and, and that brings me, you know, back to, yes, 
you you want to you want to move forward but at the same time i think as a good leader you need to step back and evaluate this you know are they in the same perpetual state you know six months a year later that they were in their fresh grief then that might you know you might have to suggest you you need to evaluate to say listen I think you might need more help here. Yes. You know, I think that a good leader will also lead them to let them know that, listen, this isn't getting any better for you. And I know there's no timeline, but I know it can be better. Right. And so you might need additional support. Correct. Have you considered, you know, and so it would be a good leader would also be aware of, you know, what agencies and what people in their community they can connect them to. Right, right. And that should all be part of those initial discussions, right? That's all part of the plan. Again, don't wait, right? Just let the person know that, hey, there are resources available to you. And as you, if you, if you ever think you need them, please come talk to me and we will provide you with a list or we'll, we'll, we'll get you pointed in the right direction. Um, yeah, it, it's all about engaging. That's really what this is about. It's all about leaders being willing to engage in their employees' emotional well-being and to a certain extent their personal lives. And a lot of times that's not, that's not in vogue, right? It's, it's not where leaders, they don't get rewarded for that or they don't believe they do. Uh, but I would tell you that Anything you do to help morale, help engagement, help productivity, right? Help talent retention, all of that. You you indirectly do get rewarded for that because it does it does manifest itself in your department's results. But yeah, at the end of the day, it's really just about engaging and sort of leading from your heart and leading the way you would like to be led if you were going through it. Um, unfortunately, though, most leaders, as you mentioned don't actually have the experience even in their own personal life right to draw on to say wow you know that was really really hard um and you know we we just want to educate people and leaders companies on the need for this right that it's 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 a good it's a good tool to have in your toolkit uh to help people through this and part of the process is understanding you know, where your people are in their current performance, right? Because, you know, maybe Bob is an underperforming guy today anyway, right? He was struggling before the grief. Um, and it so it doesn't mean that, you know, you have to salvage all people, right? right? Or that, you know, some people, yeah, this is, if they were already a performance problem and now they're going through grief, their performance probably isn't going to get much better. And right. they may wind up being managed out of the organization. And, you know, that's a tragic, but that's a reality. And it, but it also might mean deeper that this really wasn't the right fit for that person. Correct. You know, and it could be the best gift you give someone. Right. Right. You know. so, so holding aside the already underperforming person, what we really talk about from a leadership perspective in the book is knowing, you know, if you have people who were performing well or high potentials, when the event happens and they're coming back to work, they likely are not going to behave the same way they did as they did previously. 
and they're going to need a little bit more support and a little more coaching and a little more engagement, um, at least at the outset, until you both agree on sort of, you know, when they get their land legs back and can return to the way they were performing before. And that that's not necessarily a problem. It's just part of the process, right? It's just part of the process. Well, I think it's very important work that you and your brother are doing. I think that it's something that belongs in every organization, every business, every school, every any anywhere where someone has to lead someone else and a team mm -hmm. of other people. Agreed. Uh, because we're human beings first, you know. I mean, they always say, you know, in the in the era that I grew up, there's business and then there's personal. Right. Um, but more and more times, you know we're at a time right now during COVID where business and personal are living in the same house. Yes, <laughs> right. Yes, and we're are. seeing more of this and, and we're seeing more of this intertwining. And I think that's a good thing because that we are humans first. Right. And then we are professionals. Right. But if we lose touch of, of the human connection, um, that's where, that's where a lot of the, the problems stem from. So I, I think it's yeah. important work that you're doing. So if people want more information on what you're doing and they, yep. um, how, how can they find out? Right. So, um, the easiest way would probably go to, our, would be to go to our website, mm -hmm. uh, www.griefleaders.com. Um, and you can scroll through the pages. You can read about Guy and I, you can read about what we do, how we do it. Uh, what our mission is, what our purpose is, what our values are. Um, you can read a little bit about our book, although the book won't be for sale for another couple of months. Um, you can read a little bit about our book and what the book is about um, through that website. Uh, and then uh, there are also contact forms. So um, you, can, you can reach out to us. Uh, and we would love, we would absolutely love um, if people want to and feel open enough to one of the contacts form is share your return to work grief story. Mm -hmm. And so we would love to hear from people about their experiences returning to work. Or if you're a leader who's had to lead someone that you may not have recognized was in this grief pattern, um, share your story about what you experienced when you led them and the lessons you've learned. We'd love to see those stories. Uh, and then you can also engage us for a free consultation to talk about how we might be able to help uh, help your organization and your leaders. The other way would be to uh, go to my LinkedIn page mm -hmm. uh, at um, www.linkedin.com slash company, I'm sorry, slash in uh, slash Anthony Casablanca slash, uh, which I don't know why that has to be quite that hard, but <laughs> anyway, that's the LinkedIn page uh, for me personally. Um, and you can learn about what we're doing there as well. And then there is a company page on LinkedIn as well, uh, which is www.linkedin.com slash company slash grief leaders dash LLC. Okay. Um, we will put all that in the show notes as well. So cool. that people can have a direct link to it. But um, Anthony, thank you very much for spending time with us today. Um, it's, it's been uh, it's been a pleasure getting to know you and getting to know the work that you're doing. It's so important and it's so meaningful to so many people. Well, I really appreciate that, Sherry. And as I said at the outset, just humbled, frankly, to be on the podcast uh, and delighted uh, to be able to sort of 
join forces here and, and make a difference here because I think it is important, as you said. Um, and that's uh, that's what it's really all about, right? Is if we can if we can help some folks through a most difficult time, that's what we that's what we all should do. So absolutely. All right. Thanks so much. I'm Sherry Dunleavy, and you've been listening to the Grief Anonymous podcast. For more information on today's guest, the Grief Anonymous program, or the Grief Resource Network, go to griefanonymous.com or griefresourcenetwork.com. For more information on my book, workshops, or talks, go to sherrydunleavy.com. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Thanks for listening.